0: Um, so, hey, I know we've been talking about love, but bear with me. We're going to talk about beauty for a moment. And don't worry, Jesus will connect beauty back to love for in our passage tonight. That's right. Um, so, beauty. The Bible affirms that God creates beautiful things. I even have slides. Bill, you could put put them up if you're able. So, actually, last night in our small group, Kevin Kim referenced the beauty of the Milky Way. (laughs) There we go. Uh, Kevin Kim referenced the beauty of the Milky Way and Caleb, he referenced the beauty of the mountains of Ethiopia and also the the beauty of the coffee of Ethiopia. Um, I have the mountains here, not the coffee. But as you see these and, and right, you know that these pictures, they're such a pitiful representation of the actual thing. Like if you are looking at the actual thing, but yet, you know, we can exclaim with the psalmist, Lord, our God, or Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens, right? So Psalm 8, we see the psalmist praising God for his majesty and glory and how it's revealed to us in the beauty that's all around us, the beauty of the stars, the beauty of the mountains, and so on. Okay, but, you know, there are other places where there's beauty in the Bible. The Bible affirms the beauty and dignity of every person. And go to the next slide, Bill. And this painting you see right here by Norman Rockwell, this is the painting that my grandma had displayed prominently prominently in her house. So it has a lot of personal meaning to me. But you see the diversity of humanity in it. Right. The diversity. But there's also unity. Like we're all human. Uh, And this makes me think of Psalm 139, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well, right? God created you and me, everyone, and therefore, the Bible says, we all are inherently wonderfully made, each and every one of us, by God, and we reflect his beautiful artistry. But God isn't the only one that creates beauty. We create beauty, too. So, Bill, can go to the next slide. We bear God's image, and because of that, we're creative as well. Um, and so, we can create things like a three-course meal, a, a, a musical composition, which some of you are doing right now this semester, um, or create things like the Golden Gate Bridge, right? And, and all the civil engineers in the group said, amen, right? <laughs> we have the ability to create beautiful things as well, not just God. So when we think about beauty, we recognize it pretty much immediately when we see it. It's just one of those things that we are immediately drawn to as human beings. In fact, we go to great lengths. We pay good money to see it, whether we fly to Arizona to to, to see the Grand Canyon or we fly to Paris, France to walk around the Louvre. uh, We are eager to encounter beauty. And and to allow beauty to to break into our lives, to to encounter us, and to to break into our human experience, okay? So, beauty, which now brings us to love, all right? Our passage tonight, which is from Mark's gospel, this is chapter 14, verses 3 through 9, you'll see Jesus connect love and beauty, unmistakably, okay? And Corey Lau... Our new, you know, future PCF intern, um, the, the goat loving man that he is, he's, he's going to read God's word for us tonight. So Corey, go ahead and unmute yourself and read Mark's gospel right there on the screen. Oh, it's up there too. Okay. Um, so while Jesus was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, a woman came out with an alabaster jar, of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor and they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare me for burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. Thank you, Corey. So I imagine you caught Jesus' words, you know, when he said, she has done a beautiful thing to me. Right. Jesus describes the love that this woman demonstrates toward him as beautiful. And let's pause here for a moment and and catch the magnitude of this, right? What is the typical pattern of things? The typical pattern of things is that God creates something beautiful like the Milky Way or the mountains of Ethiopia. We see it and we respond with, wow, amazing, beautiful. And our hearts and our souls soak it in. But what happens here in this account, in, in this encounter, everything gets flipped around. The roles are reversed. Here, a woman, one of God's creations, she does something to Jesus, for Jesus. And Jesus, who's God in the flesh, he says, wow, amazing, beautiful, And his heart is encouraged, and he soaks the moment in. So when we love others, truly love others, as this woman does to Jesus, we create something beautiful. Jesus sees this, and he says, this is beautiful. So we've been doing a series on love, you know, talking about learning to love like Jesus, And and we've considered the eyes of love, you know, actually slowing down to see others, the hands of love, that love takes action, and then the feet of love, that, you know, love takes initiative, love moves in the direction toward others in order to love them. And so tonight, we're going to look at the heart of love, specifically, like, what are the inner dynamics of a heart that loves the same way that Jesus loves a a heart that loves in a way where Jesus says that is beautiful. And Bill, you can take off the, the slides. Um, And since we're talking about the heart of love um, you know, something about inside of us, deep inside of us, this is going to mean some self-examination, some introspection. So to do that, I want to allow this passage to raise two diagnostic questions. Okay, two diagnostic questions for each of us. So here we go. Diagnostic question number one: Am I willing to embrace the unequal exchange of love? Okay, am I willing to embrace the unequal exchange of love? So come back to the account. Just remember, you don't have to put it up there necessarily, Bill. But a woman, she anoints Jesus with oil, and in the other gospel accounts, we learn that this is this woman is Mary. She's the sister of Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus is the man that Jesus miraculously brought back from the grave after he had been dead for four days. Okay. Nobody told Mary to do what she does in this scene. She voluntarily dumps a year's worth of wages in the form of fragrant oil on Jesus' head. And then a few seconds later, it's over. I mean, we would say that that is extravagant, very extravagant. And I just, I don't want just, to just sort of whisk by this. So I'll put you graduating seniors on the spot, right? Imagine, you know, you get your first job and you take all of your first year's earnings, you know, 12 months worth of salary and you buy something like, actually, Bill, this is the last slide, if you could put it up. I think it's a picture of a cat. There you go. You buy something like this non-fungible token, CryptoKitty, which somebody bought the original file, the original digital file for $164,000, right? That would be extravagant. But now imagine you take your non-fungible token, CryptoKitty, and you throw a party and at the party with all of your friends, you just delete this file forever, right? $164,000 and poof, it is gone into the internet graveyard. No coming back. That would be extravagant. That would be foolish. And that would also be extravagant. All right, Bill, you can take that off. Thank you. We definitely do not want to be looking at the crypto kitty for the rest of the night. But it just, I want you to get the sense of what Mary is doing. She is taking her life savings, right? Her future security, like this is the thing that's going to protect her for years and years to come. And she takes it and she bathes Jesus, Jesus in all of it. And in a few minutes, it is gone. No getting it back. And here's the thing. She's not looking for anything in return. She doesn't expect Jesus to pay her back in some way. Her attitude is not, Jesus, I'll do this for you. And I expect you now to do X, Y, or Z for me. No, she's not expecting a transaction. Her heart is one that says to Jesus, here, Jesus, I give this to you because I love you for who you are, period. And, you know, when this begins to like come into our hearts and we start to think about questions, you know, I studied economics as a college student. This is this is hard for us. Um, When I studied economics, one of my favorite concepts was the cost benefit analysis. I found it extremely helpful. I still do. Right. As human beings, most of the time we are walking cost benefit analysis calculators. That's that's kind of describes us a lot of the time we process the input you know, what is this going to cost me? And then we estimate the output. What is this expected benefit that I might get if I pay this cost, right? And then we make lots of decisions on this basis. So for example, next week, I bet each and every one of you will say something like this about one or two o'clock in the morning. If I study for my midterm for one more hour and pay that cost, Will I benefit by getting a slightly higher grade on my (laughs) midterm, right? So this is what we do as human beings. We just sort of put everything through the cost benefit, you know, filter. But Mary in this scene, she throws her cost benefit calculator away. And she says, Jesus, I love you no matter what, whatever you choose to give me or whatever you choose not to give me, I am yours And knowing that I belong to you is enough, right? It's a heart that's willing to enter into that unequal exchange with somebody else. And some practical questions for us as we do the diagnostic, what about us? You know, are we willing to go down this road that love calls us to go down as well, right? To forgive someone more than they forgive us. To serve someone more than they serve us. To listen to someone, genuinely listen to someone more than they typically listen to us. To honor somebody, to seek their good more than they honor or seek our good. And this is a a hard road to walk on, but it is the heart of love, right? It's a heart of true love that, as Jesus says, this is beautiful. It's it's willing to enter into that unequal exchange where you are pouring out love to someone else and expecting very little in return, not transactional, but, you know, throw the cost benefit analysis calculator away and just pouring out love to someone else and saying, I love you, period. So that's first question that this, this, this account sort of calls us to ask of ourselves. Now, here's the second diagnostic question. Am I willing to embrace the risks of love? Okay, am I willing to embrace the risks of love? When Mary loves like this, she risks a number of things. She risks being foolish. She risks ridicule. Um, She risks looking foolish. She even risks rejection. And some of the people who are present here in this, in this encounter, they reject her. Um, they ridicule her under their breath, and they, and they definitely um, see her as foolish. It's even possible, possible that Jesus too might have chastised Mary and said that this love gift was far too extravagant. Now, he doesn't do that, but it was possible. Mary did not know. Right. Mary wasn't sure for sure how how Jesus was going to react to her gift of love. She took a risk in a number of ways. And to love, to genuinely love another is to risk. There are no guarantees that your love will be understood and embraced by those to whom you direct it. Right. Imagine You know, just a quick thought experiment. Like, Imagine one of your best friends or a dear sibling or a beloved teacher, right? You love them. Uh, You care about them. You appreciate them. How do you know for sure that they will love you tomorrow? Now, it's very likely that they will. And I hope and pray that that's the case because those are some of the hardest moments in life. But it is possible that somebody that you love That they say to you tomorrow or in a year, we're finished and I'm moving on, right? That's a scary prospect, but to love, to enter into a relationship, it is a risk and we get that. Um, So therefore, there is something beautiful, Jesus declares, when somebody steps into that space of unavoidable risk and says, I am going to love you like this. And I am willing to risk looking foolish, being ridiculed, even being rejected by others or even by you. And so some self-examination questions for us as we think about this, you know, this this am I willing to embrace the risks of love? Am I willing to risk that I go out of my way and build a friendship with this person? Or that person. And and then maybe it doesn't really go anywhere through no fault of my own. Am I willing to take that risk? Am I willing to take risks with my mouth and, and love people that way? You know, share the gospel with them and be courageous to do that. Or to try to encourage somebody that I think needs encouragement. Or to correct somebody and to speak the truth in love. Uh, Or to offer to carry somebody's personal struggle by listening to them, praying for them, Uh, or or willing to share your own personal struggle and and take the risk of, 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 you know, aiming for a goal of being more transparent with this friend. Are you willing to take the risk with somebody else that you feel that God is calling you to share with on a deeper level with your mouth and to use your mouth in that way and take those risks? Or am I willing to step out of my comfort zone and love and serve others who are different than me or who have needs that I can see, but they're needs that I take for granted, but they're needs that I see that people have. Am I willing to to step into that, that risky space where I might feel very uncomfortable, but yet to serve them and to love them? Am I willing to take that risk and to be used by God in that way? So there's a couple of diagnostic questions coming out of this this text but you know as we we think about these things and as we consider consider the heart of love right and we filter these two diagnostic questions through our own hearts i want us to think about just just one more thought why was jesus so moved by mary's unique love for him you know why did he call it beautiful and i believe that he saw In Mary, he saw the unequal exchange of love, of her willing to give him so much love with with nothing expected in return. And she was willing to take the risk of loving him and and what that would cost her. Um, And so let's remember, as we see that, let's remember that this scene is is happening just a few days before Jesus' crucifixion. In fact, Jesus says in in the passage that Corey read, She did this to prepare me for my burial, for my death. So here, Jesus is about to do the unimaginable, you know, a righteous person about to die and bear the punishment for sinful people like you and me. And here, Jesus gets a glimpse of another human being who loves him just as he loves all of us. Right, Because Jesus, as he's going to the cross, he is going to step into an unequal exchange, the righteous dying for sinners. And he is taking an unbelievable risk when he does this. Because all of us, despite his unbelievable love toward us, all of us can say to Jesus, yes, you died for me. But you know what? No, thank you. I think that's foolish. And I reject this love for me. I will do life on my own. All right, that's the risk Jesus took that he loved us, and yet we said, or we would say, no, thank you. And yet, despite the unequal exchange, despite the risk, Jesus is willing, and nothing will take him away from the path that he's on. He will be faithful. He pours himself out for us, and he loves us completely. And before Jesus does all of that for us, here's Mary pouring herself out for Jesus and loving him completely. And it's like Jesus is looking into a mirror and catching a glimpse of himself when he sees Mary's beautiful, sacrificial, loving act. And so my encouragement, my exhortation to us tonight is may we be people who, like our great Savior, willingly embrace the unequal exchange of love and willingly embrace the risk of loving others. And may God strengthen our hearts, you know, the aims, the desires, and the priorities of our hearts so that we might love others in beautiful ways just as Jesus loves us. Amen.